Good evening, everyone. It's a, a real privilege to be here tonight. Paul has asked me to encourage and inspire you so that you might grasp the mission opportunities for this church in the year ahead. And my view is that you have a great mission statement and you are already doing a good job in pursuing your goals. So the question is, how can I encourage you to keep up the good work? Well, I'm going to share what Jesus said, and Anne's going to come up and give that reading to us. The reading is from Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 35. The workers are few. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Thank you. So from this passage, we're going to hopefully draw out some principles for staying on mission for God. Jesus could have addressed the social needs of the day. He could have led of movements to overthrow the Romans. He could have done a lot of good for his society. But instead... Jesus focused on teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And as a church, you are already doing this, and it's right to focus on the spiritual needs of your community. The work of the gospel is spiritual and personal. The people Jesus was speaking to in Galilee have the same need as the people in Shirley today. No matter what advances are made in science or medicine or technology, everyone still has a spiritual need. And God's intention has always been that we should all have a personal relationship with him, so Jesus is not only the method of salvation, but his main aim on earth was to present the message of salvation. People still need to hear that message. And this is the heart of every church's mission. In order to respond to the gospel, people must first what? Hear the gospel. And if the gospel is to be heard, what must happen? It must be proclaimed. Jesus also, we read, healed every disease and sickness. Our Saviour was concerned with the whole person, not just their spiritual needs. He healed many broken bodies. Now today, 
Our doctors are capable of healing many diseases and illnesses. But we still have broken lives because we have broken minds, we have broken hearts. And this is where the work of Kairos, the Family Support Centre, and your many groups and activities is so vital in meeting those needs of the community. So the work is spiritual and personal. Jesus saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now the word harassed here means they were weary. The spring had gone. Is that how you see people in Shirley? Or do we see the majority of people who are affluent? They can buy what they need and they live comfortably. They have very little need of anything. Is that how you see your neighbours? Is that how you see your colleagues? Are they actually really needy at all? When it comes to buying Christmas presents, do you find it hard to know what to buy people because they seem to have everything they already need? Does that mean that they are not really needy? We all have spiritual needs that are hidden. And these needs are urgent because they're hidden and remain unacknowledged for a lifetime. Like an iceberg, we, we look at the, the very tip and we think, they're okay. We look at ourselves and we see the tip and we think, we're okay. Our neighbours and our colleagues look at the tip of the iceberg and we think, we're all okay. Maybe a little bit of this or that is needed and we don't see what's really underneath. And only God can reach our hearts. Only God can reach our souls. Only God can touch the deepest areas of our minds because this is spiritual work. And we need to be praying that the Spirit of God will reveal the need that we all have for a Saviour. And if any church is to be successful, it must see the true needs of its community. We don't look at the cars driving past and think, wow, I wish I had one of those. They must be well off. The need is urgent, but under the surface. We somehow have managed to get on to the next passage. <laughs> the motive for action, what moved Jesus? He had compassion. And this is the strongest word for love in the Greek language. It's derived from the Greek word for guts. Only used of Jesus. And we could say... Jesus was gutted. 
He was broken-hearted. When he saw the people that were harassed and helpless, he was gutted. He was unconcerned about the worldly needs in terms of their categories of importance. Earlier in the chapter in Matthew, we saw him helping two very different classes of people. First, there was a ruler, an important ruler. And then, a woman with menstrual bleeding who would have been made unclean and left on the fringes of society. Yet Jesus had love and compassion on them both. So when you look at the mission of this church, are you reaching out with compassion to all walks of society, those who live in the wealthier parts or the poorer parts or on the streets? The question to ask ourselves is, how did Jesus get this compassion? It's not in me. Is it in you? So it's worth thinking, how do we obtain that which we don't have ourselves, naturally speaking? Well, two things I want to say on that. Firstly, Jesus spent time with his heavenly Father. It was his number one priority. And as a result, Jesus and his Father were one. He knew God's love every day. And he experienced the true nature of love. You could say Jesus was saturated in love. He spent time developing that. So he had the love of his father in him and he had the love and compassion for people because he spent time with them. He could empathise with them. He was invited to a to a wedding. It was light. Come and join us. You're welcome. He was good company. He felt people's pain. He felt their problems. He saw that they were oppressed and without peace, without hope. And if you're going to be successful in your church's mission, you need to continue to develop, firstly, your relationship with God. There is no shortcut to doing this. It takes time and effort. And if you want to make a New Year's resolution, your daily devotions, place to start. It needs to be a priority in your life. But equally, if we are to get a real depth of compassion for people, we have to spend time with them. I've heard it said that it sometimes takes four or five years before you get to share the gospel with a non-believer. It takes many years for them to trust us to get close to them. So the motive for action is love and compassion. And then Jesus said this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And Jesus presents a picture of a field. It's ripe and it's ready for harvest. What does the farmer do? 
when he grows his crops. He cares for them. He monitors their growth and development, but he's always looking out for that time when he can gather them in. He's looking to see when they're ready to be harvested. And as Jesus travels around, he sees the harvest is vast. He sees what we mostly miss, that people are desperately lost and need a saviour. And then Jesus does something about it. He issues a call to arms. He calls his disciples to share in his mission and to continue after him. to fulfill the mission that he has. And God calls each and every one of us to share in that mission. The harvest is vast, and now is the time for harvest. There's one problem. The problem remains, there are few workers to reap the harvest. So the response, Jesus said to his disciples, ask the Lord of the harvest, ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into the harvest field. The response is seeing the real need and praying specifically for more workers. Pray for more people to be raised up who will follow Jesus and reap the harvest. Now, I find this the most interesting statement from Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. And they've demonstrated that they are committed. They've given up everything to follow him. So what more is Jesus asking them to do? He's asking them to do two things. Number one, see the true plight of the lost. See that that they're desperately in need, that they are lost, they're blind, they're dead, they're spiritually separated from a father who created them to know him. And then they must do something about that. Pray. Pray specifically for God to raise up more workers So Jesus calls for workers to be prayed for and then sent out. Now this verb, sent out, it's interesting, it's it's forceful. It means to drive out, to push out, to force out, to eject. How do we interpret that? I think it means we have to put a lot of effort in. It means we have to be intentional. It means we have to plan with a strategy. It means that much energy has to be spent. Thrust is dependent on focused energy. And what Jesus said to his disciples then applies to us today. These workers that Jesus urges you to pray for are for the most part ordinary believers 
just like us. And your job as a church is to disciple them, to disciple all the people here so that they make more disciples. And then, as you all become Christ-like, you get on board with God's mission. So, what can you do to stay on mission? Summary. See that the need is spiritual and it's personal. You need to see that the, the need is urgent, but it's under the surface. We don't readily see how desperately people need a saviour. We need to understand that the motivation to act is love and compassion. If we don't have that, we'll shrug our shoulders. We'll leave it to our neighbours. We'll expect the paid ministers to do it for us. We need to realise that the potential is vast and now is the time to reap the harvest. And the response is seeing the real need and praying specifically for workers. Just want to end with a wonderful thought, though. What a privilege that the Lord takes us and invites us to co-labour with him and to be on mission with him for his glory.